Our guest with us today is Bobby Eicher. She's a former OMSCS student and has transitioned into doing a PhD in computer science at Georgia Tech. So Bobby, would you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I started the OMS program in fall of 2014, which put me in the third semester. And my very first classes were computability and algorithms and um, computer networking. I went on my second semester to become one of the first four students who was allowed to be an online TA. And then after that, uh, with Tia, I founded the Nerdy Bones organization, where we eventually had a big group of OMS students go to the next Grace Hopper conference. I've been a TA for, I think, three different classes, maybe four. <laughs> I kind of bounce around at this point. And I am now a PhD student working with Ashok Gol and David Joyner. Wow, this is great. Can you tell us a little bit more about your experience uh, being a TA, especially that first time around when you started the TA? How did it feel? What were some of the challenges that you had and maybe some of the rewarding experiences? It was confusing as heck at first. <laughs> uh, Will Johnson and I like to tell horror stories to the newer TAs because we're the only two of the original four that are still around. And we used to get emails every couple of weeks to remind us to come pick up our um, timesheets so that we could fill out what hours we've been doing. And we would have to email them back saying, no, I, I'm not flying to Atlanta to pick up a timesheet. <laughs> And this this was like a recurring thing for months where we said this over and over again. Even figuring out how to do the hiring paperwork was pretty hard. There was no specific TA hiring paperwork, so we had to kind of dig through the HR website and take guesses at which forms we were going to need to fill out. Wow, what an experience. What was the process for becoming a TA? For the other students, to my understanding, everything everyone was invited by the professor. Herman worked on AI for robotics, and David and Will worked on software development process. In my case, I was offering to help people out with 6505 for the second semester because I had just taken it. And a couple of people started saying, you should tell them you'll be a TA for it and see if they'll let you do that. And I was like, I don't think we can do that because at the time we couldn't, but eventually I sent them an email anyway offering. And initially they said, no, we don't need a TA. And then during the first week of classes on Wednesday, so this is like less than 48 hours before the phase two registration deadline, they emailed me and said, hey, w would you s still come back actually? Because we really need someone. So I was added at the last possible moment to a class where the professor didn't even know he was getting a remote TA. So it was chaotic. <laughs> 6505 is probably the toughest class I've ever taken. <laughs> so, but um, how has the process changed now? I mean, um, I'm sure some of the complexities around first time around uh, the timesheets and, and all that has probably been ironed out quite well. A lot of it's been improved a lot. They send out a survey every semester now, which I, I don't get the one that goes out to the OMS students, but I, I know it still goes out. And it asks you what courses you would like to TA for, what courses you've taken, what grades you got in those classes, and has a couple of fields where you can do some free writing. Like, why do you want to be a TA? What kind of other experiences do you have that might be relevant? The timesheet arrangement is actually still pretty bad. They send out a PDF now that you are supposed to print out, fill it out, 
scan it back to PDF, and then send it in so that presumably someone somewhere has to type it in again. So I, I keep begging them to let us come up with some kind of system where you can just input your hours on a website. But I, I assume that there's some kind of HR policy that makes it very difficult to change that. So what is the time commitment like for a TA? I would say it's probably about the same in the sense that it depends tremendously on what class you're working on and what you're doing for the class. Technically, no TA is allowed to do more than 20 hours per week. For EdTech, David Joyner tries to scale things around the idea that the TAs will do about 10 hours a week, and then he tries to get more TAs. Because in that particular course, he has people doing a wider range of projects, and it's helpful to have more TAs who have more specialties who might be able to help out with more things. But in a more typical class, the ceiling is 20 hours per week, but say... I've had Will Johnson mention that in his first couple of semesters with software development process, when he wasn't the head TA, sometimes he did nothing more than go to the meeting. Um, They had a weekly Google Hangouts meeting to discuss what was going on with the class. And if there wasn't any grading that week, there wasn't really much beyond that to do. At the same time, for 6505, I was pretty much capping out or getting to 17 or 18 hours every week. Because grading for math problems is not at all something you can automate easily, at least for those proof types of math problems. And also because I was the person who did most of the work on Piazza. So there's a lot of range for variation. Uh, Someone could probably be a TA in five to 10 hours a week in a lot of classes, but there are others where the commitment's a lot bigger. Were you working outside of being a TA? At the time, yes. It it sort of varied by semester, so it's always complicated when people ask me if I was doing stuff outside of OMS. The first semester, I was also a freelance writer, so I did a lot of press release writing and newsletter writing and that kind of thing. The second semester, I was still a TA, but for Intro to Operating Systems, and then I was doing a full-time research internship in Switzerland at EPFL. Then I went back to writing for a while. And then there was another research internship. And then eventually there was a semester when I was basically just being a TA. So I had a lot of variation in my own life, too. What did you do to kind of balance your life during that time? I suppose I've been rebalancing it every semester because things changed so radically. My second semester of being a TA, that was before we had the processes smoothed out. But they did add some more TAs. And I actually sort of nominated someone else to be added to the class I was working on. So I walked her through all of the paperwork and what she should be doing and how she should be doing it. And that worked out really nicely because I was living in Switzerland and she was living in California, which had us like nine hours apart, I think. And so we were basically doing 24-7 coverage on Piazza, where when it was time for me to go to bed, I would tell her what threads she needed to keep an eye on. And then when I woke up, I would check in with her and find out what had been happening because we were sleeping opposite hours. There's quite a few students actually thinking about maybe becoming a TA. Let's say if I were to consider it, what are some of the advice that you would give me as a beginning novice TA? Probably the most important thing is that you shouldn't be afraid of your students. Uh, Your students will probably be scary anyway. Your classmates are probably scary even. My, my first semester as a TA, there was someone in the class who literally had a PhD 
where he'd done his dissertation on a topic related to the class. He was vastly more qualified than I was. So it feels very strange to technically be his teacher. And you kind of have to just wrap your head around the idea that you might be teaching a section on networking and get an email asking for additional help from someone whose email address is at cisco.com. Dr. Jordan told the story that he was teaching knowledge-based artificial intelligence, where a lot of the focus is on IBM's Watson technology. And one semester, he was going through the introduction thread, and one of the students said, and I'm one of the engineers who works on Watson. So (laughs) you kind of have to give up on the idea that you're going to definitively be an expert and just realize that you're helping and you're doing your best and it'll work out. What are some of the requirements to become a TA? Do you need to have gotten an A in the class or something along those lines? The official general requirement is that you have to have gotten an A or a B in the class. Preferably an A, of course. There's been at least one case, actually I think I know of two cases, where someone was a TA for a course without having taken the course. There were a whole bunch more for EdTech, actually. And those were done on the basis of having significant other experience in the field. For example, Will Johnson is now the head TA of databases. And that came about because I was browsing through the College of Computing website looking for something or other. And I came across actually a little job posting where the professor in charge of databases, Leo Mark, was saying that he wanted a student to help him build the databases class. And Will Johnson had been talking about how much he wanted to take that class, but how he wasn't sure it actually made sense to take it because this is his field and he's been doing it for 20 years. So he knows about this. He doesn't necessarily need an intro class. And so I started sending him messages like, hey, you should contact that professor. Maybe you can convince him to let you help build the class and then you don't have to worry about taking it. And that's how it worked out. He became the head TA from the very first semester And they set up an independent study section for him that technically gave him credit for having also taken the class at the same time that he was helping to teach it. There's a little wiggle room if you are really obviously qualified to do something, but the general requirement is that you have to have gotten an A. And every semester, the professors are given the list of people who have volunteered to be TAs, so they can go through and say, I definitely want these people and I will pass on that person. But it's ultimately Becky who goes through and does the matching and decides who's being put into each class, depending on what the demand is, because they don't do the final hiring until they see who has registered and how many people they're going to need and that kind of thing. That's very interesting. That's good to know that they're flexible about that. So shifting the topic a little bit, what was your transition from the OMSCS program into a PhD like? That was actually super tiring because I was in Switzerland at a research internship again last summer, and I came back from Switzerland around August 11th, I think, and I needed to be in Atlanta on August 20th. I was living in Pennsylvania. So right before I had left for Switzerland, my mother had been moving house. So everything in her house and all of my stuff had to be packed up and put away And she had to load it onto a moving truck before I even came back into the country. And then I had a couple of days in Pennsylvania to recover from international travel. And then I had to drive from Pennsylvania to Atlanta and then move everything in the next day. And like 
be on campus the day after that for orientation. <laughs> so I was very tired for a long time. <laughs> there were also a lot of weird little hiccups that were particular to me, like that cap that says that OMS students can't sign up for more than nine credits per semester. No one took it off of my account, so I was still capped at nine credits. But I was only eligible for my PhD fellowship if I was signed up for at least 12. So I had to send emails around to like random administrative people asking how I could get this changed because I wasn't allowed to sign up for as many credits as I was required to sign up for. Wow, that's quite a journey. The move itself, I know it's tiring because I just did one two years ago. So starting a PhD and doing all of this in the last couple of days, I'm sure has been quite hectic. We are uh, sort of at the top of the hour for interview here and we're just wondering in your experience what has been your most favorite class in the OMSCS program? I suppose personally I would have to say 6505 partly because I was so involved in it for so long. I took it the very first semester that it was offered. I was the very first online TA involved in the class. I was the first um, online head TA obviously. <laughs> That was a couple semesters later. I actually stayed on partly because they were changing professor on the third semester it was offered. And they specifically emailed the whole TA team basically saying, please, please come back. We're changing professor and we want to make sure there are people there who know how the class works. Because, well, I'm sure everyone who's been in it realizes the class is a little fragile and about to fall apart, fall apart at any moment. <laughs> under normal circumstances. It's a very difficult class to run. And then I stuck on with it for another couple of semesters where we kept experimenting with new policies and trying to find out better ways to make it work. So my opportunity to have influence over that class was way beyond what TAs normally get. And I had a lot of investment in figuring out how to make it work and make it a better experience for people. Well, you're the first person that said 6505 is their favorite class. That's very interesting. We'd like to thank you again for coming on our show today. And you've been a great guest. So we look forward to having more classes with you. Yeah, I will definitely be around. Another couple of semesters and I'll be qualified to teach classes and then everyone's in for trouble. 